So I went to, when Sarah was first diagnosed, I, I mentioned that I went to a um, conference in San Diego. Uh, at these earlier conferences, it was not uncommon for Robert Sprinston, the, who the, one of the names that the syndrome was named after, uh, was at these conferences, and he happened to be, I can't remember if it was in the one at San Diego or if it was in the one in Salt Lake, but he said something that kind of helped me to understand the whole idea of the chromosome. So he said, you know, imagine that you have a train, you know, a train, and you have all these different boxcars. When you're studying a chromosome, you can see the chromosome and you can see that there's a deletion, but just like how boxcars would carry different things in them, the chromosomes carry different things. You can see that there's a deletion, but you're not exactly sure what has been deleted until it is manifest um, in a syndrome, syndrome meaning multiple things that can happen. So I thought that was kind of an interesting analogy, and it's helped me to understand why you can't just say, oh, they have velocardiofacial syndrome or 22Q11.2. You can't just say the words and go, oh, here's what you're going to expect, because it makes more sense to me that there's a deletion, but we don't know exactly what until it's evident. That's just a side note. One of the things that I kind of wanted to talk about um, was Sarah's ears uh, and this this velo, which is the soft palate. Um, <clears throat> so a lot of the kids who have this particular syndrome will have some type of, of issue with their ears or with their um, kind of a either a palate issue or something more like what Sarah has with, with the bifid uvula, and it gives them a very nasally sound. Um, Sarah, she sounded like she was a little toddler for a very long time, and even when she made certain sounds, um, they would come out very nasally. So it was very hard to understand her even when she did start talking. It was hard to understand her. But one of the things I wanted to talk more about was her um, ears. Like I mentioned in my other one, she had a lot of ear infections. But the interesting thing was that she also had a really high tolerance to pain. So she didn't really like, she didn't complain, she didn't cry about it. She was actually a pretty easy baby all in all. She didn't really, she wasn't really fussy. So her eardrums would rupture and we wouldn't even know that she had had an ear infection. So these kind of things were happening. We were always taking her to the doctor, wondering what was going on, and she did have a hearing loss. So Sarah has also had multiple hearing sur or ear surgeries. She had tubes put in her ears at one point in time. They did tell us never to have her tonsils or her adenoids taken out, which is interesting because she really doesn't have any tonsils. I mean, she has some kind of little bumpy thing back there, but they don't look like normal tonsils. So obviously something's been affected back there in her throat. Um, but we never did have any surgery on her tonsils. She never had throat problems, so that was a good thing. Um, she did have the tubes put in. Eventually the tubes fell out and then her, her ear didn't mend. So we ended up having um, a tympanoplasty 
at some point in time, she had a tympanoplasty. Um, and she also had an autoplasty. So I mentioned how she had cupped ears. She also had really little ears. They were tiny and they were cupped. So the the fold, whatever it is, if it's cartridge or cartridge, cartridge or cartilage, I'm saying this wrong, the cartilage that's in the ear, um, she, it, the way the doctor explained it is that he, she didn't have that in there. So the, the ears were just soft and kind of floppy, but they folded over. Um, so when she was five years old, almost six years old, we ended up having a autoplasty done. And I'm really glad that we had that. Sarah still doesn't like her ears. She always wears her hair over her ears, um, because they're tiny. So, but I'm glad that we had it done and it turned out beautiful. Dr. Walter Schroeder in Las Vegas here, he did the surgery and they turned out wonderful. Um, <clears throat> The tympanoplasty is an interesting surgery because what they do is they actually take from behind the the um, ear a little tiny piece, of, like a flap of, of skin from behind the ear, and they use that to create the repair for the eardrum. And so she had that surgery done, I don't know, maybe when she was probably like 15. She had a hearing loss. And you know, the problem with having a hearing loss when you already have a language problem is it just accentuates the problem. If you don't understand a lot of language and you get lost in language a little bit already. And now to, on top of that, you have a hearing problem, which just makes you seem almost more ADD because you just zone out on a lot of things. So that was an issue. Um, years down the line, when she got... I'm not going to tell you about this part of her life yet, but she ended up going to Georgia to a program in Georgia for a vocational training program. When she got there, they wanted to do another hearing test on her. And when they got in there, they realized that the, the um, tympanoplasty that it had done was no longer intact. So she was back to having a hearing loss again. It may have repaired her hearing a little bit. I don't know if she's ever had full hearing Um but they wanted to go ahead and have it done again. Well, I called Dr. Schroeder again, and they said he won't redo the surgery because if it didn't hold the first time, he doesn't want to go back into it. Well, because she was in Georgia, that had Emory University and hospital, Emory Hospital and, and different people there. I think it was Dr. Lacondro who is a specialist in this particular field at Emory um, University or Hospital he said he was willing to do the surgery and we had the surgery done again. So that was about January of 2017 and May because she had each done, ear done separately. And so far it is still intact. So that's good news. And her hearing is better with it intact. It's funny because she never really talked about having, um, not being able to hear well. I think it's kind of one of those things where she doesn't really talk about what's wrong. I think the kids with this syndrome or maybe just any any learning disability of any kind or any special needs, they just desperately do not want to be pointed out. They don't want attention brought to them for something that's lacking. Um, Sarah desperately wants to be treated like she's absolutely normal. So she doesn't talk about things. And so when I say, well, I think that you might have a little bit of a hearing loss, she's like, no, I don't. I don't have a hearing loss. I'm fine. 
Um, and so you kind of have to push her to have these tests done to make sure she's fine. She really has had a difficult time um, embracing or at least accepting that she's needs some extra help in things. And that's something else I will talk about later. But in this episode, I just wanted to talk about the fact that you do need to be on top of the ear situation. Um, it's been an ongoing thing since she was born. And even though I would like to say that I think maybe we've arrived at a place, it's ongoing. It's just something we have to have a good specialist for. We have to have an understanding. When doctors look in her ear, it doesn't look like a normal ear because the tissue looks different. It's hard to tell even if she has an infection in her ear because the tissue doesn't look right. So sometimes they have to do additional tests to see if there is fluid behind the ear because they can't really tell. She also gets a lot of outer ear infections because the way the eustachian tubes and the way that it's all formed in there, the dip behind, you know, into her ear is actually smaller and deeper. So it's hard to see, but she get she ha- she gets fluid back there and then she ends up with infections on the outside of her ear drum, you know, on closer to the outside. So yeah, the ears are just always an issue. It's uh, it's just one of those things into her adulthood where we're still talking about it. We're still going to doctors for it. But I mean, she's a rock star at it. What can I say? She hardly ever talks about it. She doesn't complain about it. The only thing she says when she starts to experience something is I feel like I hear blowing in my ear and that's when I know we need to get her checked. Sometimes her ears start to, to drain and... Um, so it's just one of those things you're probably going to have to think about if you have a child with this particular syndrome. Okay. Uh, 